I find it's interesting to compare notes with parents in Europe and learn about the issues that concern them the most about how their kids are being educated. Our panel of European moms that joined us a few weeks ago on Travel with Rick Steves is back again with us today to look at how schools work where they live and what concerns they have about their children's education. Julie Sanvo was born and educated in Kansas, but she's raising her boys now in a small town in rural France. Tina Hiti and her husband are raising their family in the Lake Bled area of Slovenia. And Ilva de Silva comes to us from Stockholm in Sweden. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. Ilva from Sweden, can you explain uh, your situation as a mom and education just briefly? Well, actually, my children are all grown up now. Mm -hmm. And when they went to school, it was better than now, I would say. And when I went to school, it was the best school in the world. But unfortunately, we have since um, seven years a non-socialist majority in the parliament. Mm -hmm. And they have changed the school system. So instead of having these state-run schools, we have now uh, private schools, private entrepreneurs. That Because education is free in Sweden and it will always be free. So each child born will get something we call the school money. And that school money follows the child. So the parent can choose whether they want to have their child in a private school or a public school. But basically there's a big change since uh, your, your children um, were younger that... There's yes. a conservative government now, and it's a little Well, it's more. not conservative, but non-socialist. Non-socialist. There are no, no conservative. Okay, less in Sweden. Yes, in yes. Sweden. Yep. Okay. Tina Hiti from Slovenia. What is new for education, or what's your situation as a parent in, in Slovenia? There have been many changes since I went to school, and I must say that even during my school years, my education was changing all the time because we did go through different reforms, and every year almost when I was studying, was changing. There were some new rules. You needed to do something different. But one thing stayed the same, and that is what worries me as a mother of a six- and a four-year-old, that in our country you need to be... You're very young when you decide what to do for your life, and you are basically choosing your career when you're 15 years old. So we'll talk about that a little yes. later, but that is something that's different than in the United States. Yes. In much of Europe, you a child is put on a channel for mm-hmm. this or that occupation or career or level of education yeah. at an early age. And Julie Sanvo, uh, tell us your story as a mother in education in Europe. Well, I was raised in the United States, but my kids, um, and we moved to France when they were five and seven. So they've basically been in school in France for all of their education. And it was quite different than here. For instance, my kids went to a one-room schoolhouse, the same one that their father went to for elementary school and things like that. I um, agree about the the choice in France when they have to make the choice when they're teenagers. So you're saying in a few years your kids are going to have to decide what they're going to do. They are 15 and 17 now, and that's where we're at right now is trying to decide when they're not quite ready for that decision. Wow, because I wasn't ready to decide on what I was going to do long after that. And in Europe, if you decide early and you change, that sets you back, I believe. And it's uh, an interesting decision. Or you have a hard time changing. You know, sometimes you have to go through till the end and not change. Now, how old are kids in Europe generally when they start state-funded school in in France? In France, they're allowed to go as soon as they're potty trained. They go to nursery school. They're required to go to school from the age of six. Age six. Yeah, it's the same in Slovenia as well. Seven in Sweden. Compulsory from seven, but they start when they are six, most of them, but the first year is not compulsory. Julie, you went uh, to school in the United States in the American system, and your kids have, right from the start, gone in the French system. What are the fundamental differences you see between the two systems, and, and which one do you prefer? 
Well, the first day I took my son to kindergarten in France, uh, we had been in a cooperative nursery school here in the United States where the, the ideal was the more that the parents were involved in the education, the better the child would be. And uh, the first day of school in France, I took him to kindergarten. They, they took him by the hand and pulled him in the classroom and shut the door. So um, that was very traumatic for both of us. And I tried every way I could to get into that classroom, you know, volunteering to teach English or anything. And they wouldn't let me in because uh, no parents allowed in the classroom. It's only teachers with certificates really? nationally. Because um, when we raised our kids, we were thankful they had an opportunity for us moms and dads to get involved and right. a little hands-on and help out. Tina, are, are parents welcome to help out in early no, years? No, it's the same as in France, I would say. Same thing, and usually it's always heartbreaking, especially the first years of school, because you don't even wave to your kid and everybody's crying their eyes out. Wow. But yeah, that's just how it is. And in Sweden, Ilva, are, are the parents involved in the education, or is it pretty much this is not appropriate for you to be here involved? I never heard about this as a problem, <laughs> because in Sweden, <laughs> everyone works, so... Our system is different, I suppose. We so stay at home. So everyone's working. In other words, they don't have time to go and be involved yes, in the education. Yes, yes. And children start daycare when they are. First of all, since um, we have this fantastic parental leave money in Sweden, so we stay at home with our own children for 480 days. So let's talk about that. When you have a child in Sweden, mm-hmm. you have 480 days of parental leave. Yes. So mother, Paid parental leave. Yes. Mother, 240 days, and the father, 240 so it's days. So par- it's not maternal leave. No. It's parental yep. leave. Yes. Wow, that's a lot of parental leave. Yes, it is. And generally accepted that that's a good investment of society to have parents at home with the kids when they're first born? Obviously, yes. It's so interesting, the Scandinavian ethic. It's just like, you you act like, of course, why would you even ask? This is the the family values that that we like. But then when the child is one and a half years, they start in a daycare center. And these daycare centers, they are like schools. Uh, really? So you got like a day, a year and a half where you're at home away from work to get the kids uh, up and running. And then it's quite aggressive about getting those kids into school and you back into the workforce. Yes. We're getting an education right now on Travel with Rick Steves as our panel of European moms explain how the education system and national policies work where they live and what concerns they have for their kids' education. Ilva de Silva is from Stockholm, Sweden. Julie Sanvo is an American who married into France and is living in Burgundy. And Tina Hiti was raised in former Yugoslavia, and she's raising her family in Slovenia. Tina, we were just talking about parental, mm-hmm. maternal, paternal mm-hmm. leave. What's the story in Slovenia? The maternity leave is one year long, and it's fully paid. So you get the paycheck from the government pretty much every month. Every and parent it's cal- gets a year of paid leave. Not Every parent, every mom. Every mom. Yeah, okay. but then they can also you can also decide if a mom maybe has a better job, the dad stays at home. So they can either the yeah. mom or the dad gets to either stay mom home. or dad, but not both of them at the same time. Okay, and then you you do you have some assurance that you can take your job back after um, that? Yes, it used to be like that, but now it's um, so changing this, a lot more. This yeah. is kind of an expensive ideal, yeah. and there's going to be a little reality check maybe about affording. Yeah, right payments. now they are talking a lot about changing it to cut that to nine months, and then the last months, it would be only 75% pay, but mm. then your job wouldn't be guaranteed. Ah. And they are debating a lot so about months, that. If, you, if mm-hmm. you take nine months, you get your job back. Yes, If you yes. want more, you, You're tra- threatened you risk by that, losing yeah. your job. And Julie, what is the situation in France for parental leave? In France, it's uh, for paid parental leave, it's 16 weeks for the mother and 11 days for the father. But most mothers, they can take up to a year 
uh, with, I think it's between 70 or 80 percent of their pay Mm -hmm. and guaranteed their job back after one year for the first child, two years for the second child, and three years for the third child. In the United States, kids are going from class to class, and they meet a lot of different kids. And I understand in Europe, sometimes the children are staying with the same group right through. What's the story on that in France? Yes, they do stay with the same group, and uh, even in in high school, they don't go to different classes. They're all in. They each have their own mm. homeroom class, and they stay with that class all day long. And, and they've all, known all these the friends, boys and girls, for all their, their, whole all their lives. years. And mm-hmm. is, what, what are the pros and cons of that? Just in a nutshell. Well, my fear when I moved there was what happens if you have a bully in the class, and or if you mm-hmm. have problems like that. What happens? I was lucky and never had that situation where they had a good class. But there are classes that that the teachers have problems with, and and they're known as they go through school that it's a tough Mm -hmm. class. Famously, the class of 2015, look out, and and these poor little meek ones are going to be stuck with these aggressive ones, and that's the way it goes. On the other hand, it could be a a beautiful class and a real blessing for the kids. Absolutely. Tina, what's the story that way in Slovenia? Yeah, it's the same in Slovenia. We also stick with the same people for the whole elementary, and also then when you choose the secondary school, same thing. You stay with the same people. Ilva in Sweden? Mm -hmm. Same. (laughs) Okay. You know, in the United States, it seems children have options, and and we sort of, we treasure that. We don't know what we're going to do until we have to make a decision in college. But in Europe, I think you get on on an occupational or a higher education track early on. How is that uh, in in Slovenia? Are, Are kids chosen for vocational versus higher education early? Um, They have to choose basically when they are 14 years old. That's the last year of their elementary school, Mm -hmm. and they have to choose. So everybody's on the same track until they'll be ninth grade. Until about ninth grade, yeah. And then some kids are going to go for higher education. Other kids who aren't performing so well. They go to vocational colleges, yeah. They'll do trades. Yeah, yeah. In France, Julie? Well, that's the way it, it has been. And in the last couple of years, though, they're realizing that um, they're, they're sending kids on a certain track from a young age. And when they get out of school, if they don't do well in that track or if there's no jobs in that track, then they're automatically on chômage or unemployment collecting from that. And so now they're they're starting to speak to people in the, the parents in the schools saying, maybe you should send your kids to a little bit more of the general education in high school and give them a little bit more time. It's starting to change wow. because so if, of the unemployment problem. So if you're if you're fast-tracked into some certain trade and suddenly the industry changes, you're trained for a job that no longer exists right. and you are disadvantaged for the rest of your life. Right. That's a, a heads-up in society to see that that would be a problem. Ilva, in Scandinavia, is it, is it a similar situation? No, it's totally different, I oh, would so. say. So there we have the first mm-hmm. difference. Yeah. Uh, because it has been after the first uh, nine or ten compulsory years. Um, 99.9% continued at that upper level we call gymnasium, which is um, not to be compared with high school. We were discussing that earlier. It's uh, like three or four extra years when you get prepared for university studies. Okay. So everyone in Sweden can continue at the university, basically. But that is one of the things that are changing now with this new non-socialist government I was is talking about more, earlier. A more, um, so now they want it to be more like this technical uh, secondary so schools. So you have certain kids tracked into a vocation, others tracked into high education. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about education in Europe with three different moms, talking about education in France, Sweden, and Slovenia. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Stephen's on the phone in Des Moines, Iowa. Stephen, thanks for your call. Yeah, thanks very much, Rick. Um, yeah, I just had a question about learning languages. Through traveling in Europe, I've noticed how common it seems for children to be 
bilingual or multilingual at an early age. My wife and I really would like our children to be exposed early to different languages, and through seeing it in Europe, it seems beneficial to do so. At what age do European children typically begin learning other languages? This is something that is a real emphasis in Europe, I believe. Julie, you came from an American background, and then you go to France. What's the um, emphasis on languages for your students? Well, they start at about the age of seven or eight in elementary school with a second language, which is usually English. But it depends on the teacher's capacity to be able to teach that language. So you'll talk to a lot of French people that say, yeah, I took it, but the teacher didn't wasn't uh, equipped enough to teach us English. So it, it kind of depends. But by the time my kids were in middle school, they were taking English, French, of course, English, German, and Latin. Latin? By the time they were in middle school. Was Latin the exception, or is that part of the basic curriculum? It's They can choose it. Once they get mm-hmm. to middle school, then they take hmm. choices on their languages, but at least two languages. Now, Tina, Slovenia is a relatively new member of the European Union. Uh, when your parents were growing up, they probably learned Russian. Today, what's the emphasis on, on foreign language? Well, it was always a main focus. Even with my parents, they were taught Russian, but also English. But with my kids, now the older son is six years old. He started English when he was five. He doesn't speak that well, but I think he'll get there. He's How old is he now? Uh, six years old. And he's so not he fluent can, in a second no, language No, not yet. yet. Oh, not yet. But, <laughs> but it will be soon. But when you come from a country like Slovenia, you know, nobody speaks our own language. You have to learn. How many, so, how many people speak Slovenian in your two country? Two million. Two million people yeah. in the whole world speak yeah, your language. Pretty much. And then uh, yeah. it, you have a pretty small world if you don't learn another yeah, language. Yeah, you and, have to. You don't have a choice. And I right. think what helps us a lot is not just learning languages in school. It's also that our television is not dubbed, but it's subtitled. You know, there's different countries in Europe Mm -hmm. that are more enthusiastic about dubbing or subtitling, Mm -hmm. and I understand that gives the young generation a real advantage. Yes. Some countries are just uh, dubbing, and Mm -hmm. and then the kids don't have the chance to pick up the language. What countries dub more than... I think Germany. Germany does. Italy does. I'm not sure about France. And And in Spain. I think I I remember in Spain, because Portuguese people have an advantage because they get the subtitles and hear the English. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Spain or, or Germany or Italy, you go to a movie, you're likely yeah. to hear it. And generally, over. it's the countries that come from the subtitles that speak better foreign languages because they hear it all it the time. It is hearing, yes. You could actually have a policy in your country if you yeah. wanted to be heavy-handed <laughs> of not allowing dubbing so people would have yeah. to hear the foreign language. Ilva, what is the uh, priority for languages up in Scandinavia? Well, English, of course. Yeah. Well, my children speak impeccable English. My generation started when we were like 14, which is a little mm-hmm. bit too late, but my children started when they were six. Stephen, thanks for your call. Yeah, thank you very much. This has been, for me, such a fascinating opportunity to share how different societies tackle this challenge of education. We've been talking with Julie Sanvo, who is an American who's been uh, raising her family in France, Ilva de Silva from Sweden, whose kids are finished with their education now, but who has uh, a lot of interesting observations from a Scandinavian point of view, and Tina Hiti, whose kids are, are well into their education in Slovenia. In general, how do you feel about education for your children in your country? Uh, Julie. Well, I think it's um, in every country, it depends on the teacher. You can have mm-hmm. a good teacher or a bad teacher, no matter what system your children are being raised in. I've been lucky enough to have good teachers all the way. I was scared when I moved there that it would be a problem, and I'm just I'm really um, so pleased at how invested the teachers are. And you can see a difference when you have an invested teacher in the child, and I think that can be anywhere in the world in any system. So, as an American mom, 
in France, you're happy generally with the I've been happy with my with my children's That's experience, great. yes. Tina, Slovenia. My kids now are still in the nursery, so we're still getting to the school. But as far as I'm concerned, um, the only thing that concerns me is the age when we need to choose what they want to do. I think education in Slovenia is very good, especially because we do a lot of emphasis on languages. Mm -hmm. And I think if they go in that way, that will stay good. And seven or eight years from now, your kids are, the way it is now, going to have to choose where they're ultimately going to be. And your hope is that that is evolving and maybe between now and then... Maybe changing uh, to a little later age because I have a lot of friends when we were studying together and they didn't choose the right career. And right now they are really miserable at their works because they don't do what they wanted to do. Half of my friends, just like me, went to the university, (laughs) hell-bent on a certain degree, and as soon as we took two classes in that degree, we decided, yeah, "Eh, it's not for me. Thank goodness we weren't committed to that when we were 15 years old. Ilva from Scandinavia, final thoughts on education in in your society? Well, um, one thing that I'm really happy about is that School children in Sweden, they don't, they are not taught to learn things by heart and to ask questions, not to answer questions, but to ask questions is important and to never ever take an answer for something that is cut in stone and ask again. Be curious and be happy about going to school. Beautiful. Thank you all so much for uh, contributing to this discussion and I I think a lot of American parents in their travels wonder a lot about these challenges, and it is interesting that they are they are the same from country to country, and all together we can learn from each other and uh, wish a good education for our children. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Each year, Rick Steves' tour guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours all over Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from three dozen exciting itineraries covering the best of Europe from Ireland to Istanbul, Paris to St. Petersburg, and practically everywhere in between. For a free catalogue and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com.